0: Welcome to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. This is your host, Jas Bear, and today's guest is Tracy Trim. Tracy is the founder of nth Degree Career Academy, a proven system that helps high potential professionals define and discover what they love. She has also worked with over a thousand fast-growing businesses, teaching them the new levers of loyalty that help attract, engage, and retain top talent. We're going to have a very interesting conversations with, with Tracy about, you know, how to discover your talents and passions, how to find the right job for you and all, all kind of carve out the right career for you. So let's welcome Tracy. Thank you so much for uh, you know, accepting my invitation to come on the show. Yeah. Um, we have a lot in common. We have a lot of same values. And for the people that don't know Tracy, how
1: would you introduce yourself? Ooh, how would I introduce myself? Oh my gosh. Um, well, it's changed over the years. Right now, I would say that uh, I'm the owner of a business that helps people discover their ideal careers. Uh, but that's not really what defines me. <laughs> and if it did, I, I'd be going insane because business ownership is um, nothing but a continuous roller coaster. Yeah, I, I'm a, a person of faith. I believe that we all have a purpose and that if you really want to, you can live some of that purpose in your career, in the thing that you do day in and day out for 8 to 10 hours a day. Uh, and it's really that core belief that's led me to leaving a job that I hated, to trying to find work that I really loved, coming up with sort of a messy version of what that looked like, starting my own business, and then encouraging other people to do the same, which actually turned out to, to answer you know my own problem, <laughs> if you will. So... Uh, yeah, there's plenty more we could talk about. I, I'm writing a book. I've a podcast. I've you know got a couple great employees, some amazing, wonderful clients. But yeah, that's that's, I guess what's going on in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> awesome. I mean, where did your story start? What were you doing before you thought about you know doing what you're doing now? Uh, what, what was your story?
1: Yeah. so, I mean, the reason that I do what I do now is my story and uh, I love it (laughs) Uh, because I think that it's really relatable. Um, So I was that kid, you know, I was born in 1987. And so my childhood was very much like what I call the box checker busy kid. So like I was in every extracurricular, did every hobby, played every sport, was in every AP and pre-AP class. Like I was a busy kid and I lived to check boxes. Like, to get A's, to be first chair, to um, overachieve and whatever. And, and it was all because I thought I had to be the best in order to matter, in order to stand out, in order to, and probably in some cases, if we go really deep psychologically, like be loved. And, and so my whole life was about that being the standard, right? The gold standard of being the best was really easy to quantify when you're a kid because we measure everything, right? You're either starting on your team or you're not. You either get an A or you get an F well, there's also a bunch in between there. But when you get into the quote unquote real world after school is over, I mean, success is a spectrum, right? Sure. Like people ask me all the time, like, well, when, when are you successful or when do you consider yourself successful? And you have to define it for yourself. Otherwise you're constantly chasing the next marker of success that you base on probably somebody else's Experience entirely. So when I was graduating college, and I I started freaking out. I had no like, what's my new yardstick going to be? Like, what? How am I going to measure whether or not I'm a good, successful, worthy person? And uh, and so I went to a really a prestigious college. I went to Yale. Um, I got in there because I had great grades because I was a box checker kid, but also because I played a sport. I got recruited. And I you know I studied something I absolutely loved. I was studying psychology there. I just fell in love with people, like why we do what we do and behavior and motivation and um, persuasion and just understanding, you know, how humanity works. Uh, But I had no idea how to turn that into a career, right? Like everybody was telling me you either have to go into counseling or therapy or since I was an athlete, I could be a sports psychologist. But like that was all people could really put together. And I did not want to do either of those things. And so Yale is a great place to have a lot of opportunities thrown your way and so i ha- went to a um uh what do you call them a career fair my senior year and i was just traipsing up and down the aisles looking at all these companies and jobs i really didn't have any interest in didn't know anything about like what the heck is consulting you know when you're 22 i was like how am i going to tell people what to do i don't even know what to do with my own life uh and i you know by like total grace i wound up uh making a connection with somebody at the royal bank of scotland of all places One of my friends who was on the softball team had literally just studied abroad in Scotland. So we were just talking to one of the reps, uh, gave her my resume, ended up applying, didn't even get a first round interview, ended up getting a first round interview because somebody got the swine flu. (laughs) Basically the stars aligned where I graduated college with uh, a job on Wall Street And I had no background in finance, no real interest in financial instruments. I didn't even invest myself, but I was, I was really scared. I was really scared of, of not having a job, not being able to take care of myself and of not looking shiny in the world anymore. You know, like being that person that achieved, 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 went to Yale, did all these great things. And then like what moved home to flower mound. Like I wasn't going to be that person. Would you have described yourself as an introvert back then? No, my gosh! No, I've never been an introvert. I've been a classic extrovert by the by the real definition of that word my entire life. Like, I get energy from being around people. I tend to lose energy when I'm alone, Uh, and and so I, I, you know, how people thought of me really mattered. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and a lot of those values, right? Really motivated those decisions back then. And so I I graduated with what everybody thought was this incredible job. I got a signing bonus. I made a great salary. I was going to be able to live right outside of Manhattan. You know, I had an expense account and car service and like all the things that, you know, people are like, wow, you have an amazing job. You have all these benefits. You get all this money, all this other stuff. And I was terrified, was terrified that I was gonna miserably fail at this job. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Um, but I but I had my fingers crossed. I'm pretty like socially savvy and so I'm like, maybe I can hang, you know, maybe I can figure out a way to be really valuable in a way that makes sense and and, and I'll be okay. And that worked for about a year. Like I, I could get by with like being a social butterfly and being the person who knew who to talk to on each desk and like being valuable to my sales partner. But like after year one, you couldn't hide the fact that you have no idea what's going on for much longer. And so, you know, it it started to increasingly come out that this just wasn't my jam. Like I'm just not an insanely quantitative person. I'm not a detail-oriented person. I really don't, I I thrive under pressure, but not negativity. And they had pressure, negative pressure all the time, right? Right. So it just, I realized in business, very quickly, like being a really like overachiever kid who was checking all the boxes and like, and performing made me think that I could just perform in basically anything if I worked that hard, right? That like, if you're smart enough, if you work hard enough, like you'll, you'll do well. And, and it wasn't until I was in an environment that was just such a horrible fit, like from a behavioral perspective, from a personality perspective from a positivity, negativity, negativity you know, optimism, pessimism perspective, like, I could have worked my tail off. And I was. I was trying. you know, I wasn't maybe trying the most I ever could, but I certainly wasn't phoning it in. And I, there was just no way around the fact that other people were going to be successful, more successful than I was being. And, and I was growing increasingly more miserable and frustrated and beat down because no matter how hard I did try or try to fit in, try to make friends, try to like be one of the guys, like it just, it wasn't working. And, you know, there's this great image online of, uh, of a cow and a dolphin and they're both jumping out of the water together. And I, like, I saw that and I super identified with it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the cow. Like, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm just not in an environment that's set up for me to thrive. And if you think about a cow being in the ocean, like they're, well, a, they're probably going to sink right away. Right. But even if they don't, even if they're working their hardest, trying to swim or trying to talk to dolphins or trying to eat fish, like they're just not made for that environment and telling them just to work harder is insane. And I think that, I just had this epiphany, right that like that's what we do professionally all the time. It's what we do as business owners, it's what we do as working professionals it's what we do in college like we're in an environment and we're telling ourselves you have to be successful here and if you're not successful here, you're not going to be successful anywhere. So I was going through this like crisis of self right like who am I if I'm not successful? Who am I if I'm not the best because I had been
0: it's almost like that saying, right? You can't judge uh, a fish by its ability to climb the yes. trees. It's almost it's like exactly that. like that. I mean, I, I've been in situations like that as well, especially in school and, you know, other places where I feel out of place and, and going into work, it's that fear all yes. the time. Am I going to fail? Am I going to fail? Am I going to fail? That's a big <sighs> indicator of you telling, you know, you getting this, this clue that this is not for you. You, you better look for something else. And it can only end one way, sooner or later, and it's gonna end badly if you don't cut the cord now. But I suppose the, the fear of, from what I'm getting you from your story as well, I guess is the fear of A, I gotta look good. If I have this job, I look good yeah. outside. And, yeah. and B, the money, the yeah. money pressure, especially when you're younger, there isn't any money pressure, you can, is just by living by comparison makes life difficult, you know?
1: 100%. You're so right. Because I put all the money pressure on the world on myself. I needed to be making six figures. I needed to take care of myself. I needed to take care of my parents. I needed to have X, Y, and Z apartment in X, Y, and Z plate. You know, like my value set was just totally out of whack. Plus, I what you're talking about is perspective. Like I just didn't have the perspective to realize that at 25 with like, a nice chunk of change in savings because I'd been like squirreling it all away, waiting for the day when they were going to fire me. Right. Then I had all the options in the world. Like I didn't even have a goldfish to take care of. You know, I just had me and somebody really put that into perspective for me and helped me realize like, Hey, if you ever are going to make a departure from like what the world says you're supposed to be doing, or you're going to jump off the conveyor belt that you're on, like better to do it when you're 25 and don't own a home and don't have a spouse and don't have kids and don't have a pet and don't have a mortgage, you know, like than when you're 40 and you have way fewer choices. And so I I did that. I just, I leaned really hard into it. I got, I'll say that um, what you're talking about, right, is it's not going to end well for anybody. I let it go on so long that I actually quit because I thought I was like losing my mind. Like I I had like a mental kind of breakdown and was like, I have to, this is, this cannot be life, you know? And I guarantee there are people listening to this who are like, oh my God, like when when you hate your job and, and you, and you feel like you have no way out. What I think's really going on is that we've gotten just like, I call it getting nose blind to your miserable job, right? Like we think that crying every day is normal. Or that like getting super frustrated with everyone you work with is is normal. That's work. That's what work is. That's what everybody has to go through. The reality is that there are people out there who love what they do, who love the people that they work with, who find passion and excitement and curiosity and interest in like physically what they're working on every day, and that could be the norm. I I offer that it it should be and. we forget, right? You just forget and you lose perspective that what you're going through is really broken and really miserable. And so I let it get to the point where I outright quit without a plan. And I got super lucky. They took care of me. They let me work there for a couple more months until I made a plan. But I, you know, like you said, I've seen other instances where I let it go so long that I got fired instead of quitting, right? Like people, when you're not a good fit for where you are, you figure it out or you hide it (laughs) <laughs> and if you're hiding it, you're not, you're not really fooling anybody, right? They're going to figure it out. So that, that's what happened to me. I quit that job and uh, the rest is history.
0: And then, and then what did you do next? So you quit that job and then you decided that, first of all, what are you going to do next? Did that cross your mind? Or you said, I have some savings, I'm going to do whatever. Oh
1: my God. No, that was never an option. Like I come from a family of a total, like, like my mom is not a risk taker by any means. My dad was the one who was like, yeah, you should just go try this or whatever. My mom was like, "Mm -mm, you cannot quit a job without another job. And so I had this like two and a half months where I got to kind of work during, you know, work normal hours at my job. But like, the word was out. Like they knew I wanted to leave. (laughs) I knew that they knew. And so all the pressure of like pretending was gone. And you know, in, in psychology, right? Like a a stressed brain, a, a brain in fear mode is like very straightforward, right? You only see one thing, You kind of get tunnel vision. It's very difficult to be creative. You have to be relaxed and calm and actually in like a happier state to be creative, to see possibility. So once I had all that like pressure gone, I think I was able to kind of pull my head up and be like, all right, Like, what are my options here, really? You know, what are my options here, really? And I, um, again, this is total serendipity, but I think serendipity happens when you're open and when you're really attuned to what's going on around you and you're listening uh, for insight. I was just sitting on the desk one day and one of my uh, coworkers was talking about how his son had just gotten back from a a semester at C, uh, which I'd never heard of. And I don't know if you've heard of this program either. Okay, yeah. I have, yes, I have, Pen- pencils of promise. Oh, I think that's so, what it is. Okay. So I, I want to say that pencils of promise came out of semester at sea. That, yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, what absolutely. semester at sea is really is just an undergraduate study abroad program where instead of living in one place for a certain period of time, you live on a ship with a bunch of other students. And so you travel around the world. When you're on the boat, you take classes. When you're off the boat, you just, you travel, you explore different countries and you go once around the world while you're, um, during a semester. And I was twenty five at the time, but I was like, oh my God, I wanna do that. Like that sounds amazing. And what I realized that I was doing is kind of taking a um a design thinking approach to my life where I would I was gonna test out a bunch of different ideas really quickly as opposed to going all in on one big idea for a long period of time and see what I really wanted to do. Cause I had thoughts about going back to school, but that was gonna be a big investment of time and money and I didn't know what I would use it for necessarily. And I had thoughts about getting into like nonprofit or, um, uh, what's it called? Social entrepreneurship. But I, that was just as competitive, honestly, as finance. And I didn't really know anybody in that world. And and that was going to be its own challenge and undertaking. And then I just thought, like you said, like, I've got some money. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to put my stuff in storage and get the hell out of here. I'm going to get a ticket around the world and just be done. And so what Semester at Sea allowed me to do is test all three of those ideas in like a four month period of time. And then I came out the other side with just some incredible mentors. Like I can't say enough about the people that I met on that trip. Obviously some amazing life experiences that taught me a whole lot about myself. I tested every assumption that I ever had. I looked into all of those different companies or nonprofits or social enterprises and, um, and I came out on the other side with a much deeper understanding of who I was. Like, I realized I was the cow, you know what I mean? Or the fish. <laughs> and that I was never going to really thrive in an environment that, that didn't allow me to be myself, you know? I, I think that that's the major difference we're talking about here is that there's success at any cost, you know, success that costs who you are or success that costs your mental health or success that costs time with your family, success that you can rattle off the cost. But then there's sustainable success, like success that you can lean into, that makes sense for you, that you can do consistently year over year, that works for you, that doesn't make you make any significant sacrifices. And that largely comes when you identify the environment where you can be yourself because having to turn yourself inside out all day long, every day to be quote unquote successful to me is not a success because how long can you really do that for before you break down and, and, you know, run out of steam, right? We just only have so much energy, I believe. So, so yeah, I, I got back from semester at sea. I had the most incredible experience. I was uh, traveling around the country for a little bit, trying to land a job, got, uh, ended up moving back to Dallas, uh, which is where I am now. Uh, because I got a role working with a woman who owned her own consulting firm. And so she does, she did largely what you and I do, right, which was consulting for companies, speaking, but she did a lot of presentations around like emotional intelligence, leadership, diversity, inclusion, and that sort of thing. And so I was, um, I was her right hand person and learned a lot about what it takes to run a, a personal brand business from my time with her.
0: Now, now your company helps people find the work, find the work they love, and and you know, talk a little bit about that, and you know how you do that, yeah. and I believe you have you have a ninth degree academy. So talk talk about both of them. How does that How does
1: that help people? Yeah. So you know what? It, it's funny. Like when I. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to be one of those like big and connectedness kinds of people. Like I look back and I try to look for patterns and how things go together. And I say the word serendipity a lot because like really funny things just happen to me. But I think it's because I see connections like more readily than maybe most people. And I know connectedness is one of my top five in, um, in StrengthsFinder. So actually what I did was I, I screwed up again. So after <laughs> after I got that job, when I came back to De- Dallas, she ended up going back into corporate about a year of us working together. And I took a job, yet another job where I was a cow in the ocean and I got fired. And I remember that finally being the moment where it sunk in, where I was like, Oh, like I have to actually do this, you know, like I, and if, and if I want to do it, I've got to do it on my own terms. And I had always had this heart, this like inkling that I should start something. I don't know where it came from. I'm not a lifelong entrepreneur. I was, I maybe did a couple little like things of selling crap, like arts and crafts to people when I was a kid. So I just had this inkling that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but, and, and I, I knew coming out of semester at sea that I wanted to work with people on people. So not with people on tasks or with people on projects, but I wanted to be working on, on humans, like helping us become the best version of ourselves in whatever capacity that, that meant. And I had been through like the whirlwind of horrible career decisions, right? I just like made all the bad ones and I'd come out the other side with a a better understanding of myself. And when I looked back on the the basically two years between Wall Street and starting my own business, I, I realized that. I had gone through all the steps necessary for somebody to discover themselves and what was ideal for them from a professional perspective, but I just gone through them very inefficiently and in many cases out of order, right? So to me, it's the equivalent of like, I was on one side of a dark room with a bunch of crap all over the floor and I needed to get to the other side of the dark room, but I didn't have a flashlight. So I was like stubbing my toe and banging my shin and like falling over and getting back up and but I found my way over there eventually. Right. And when I, when I realized that I had done that, I could look back and, and because my eyes had adjusted, right. I could see the path that I took and how circuitous it was and I could straighten it out. And so when I realized that I realized, okay, like what were the core steps? Could I break them down in a way that actually made it um, more logical, more linear for people to follow? when they're at that stuck, lost, confused, miserable phase and they want to feel fulfilled and meaningful and unstoppable and sustainable again. And it really came down to like basically seven core things, seven steps. Um, I used to break them down into five, but actually as we've been using this model over the last five years, it's become a little bit more intricate and complex. But really it just takes starting with where you are now so the whole, the whole process is called the nth degree. It's our trademark proven process and platform for all of our programs. And it starts with finding out where you are now and getting really clear on your reality now, your core values now, and creating commitments for yourself so that you don't fall into the trap of, ooh, shiny job that's going to pay me a bunch and has great benefits, but I'd be miserable there, right? And then we want to get really clear on how you add value. And so we call that your nature and your nurture. Your nature is all of the things that come naturally to you. It's that being a cow, right? You can't change it. Um, And then your nurture is all the things that you've learned over time, all the valuable skill sets and knowledge and expertise that have come from your life experiences. And when we put those three ideas together, we get the middle step, the crux, which we call your niche. And putting your niche together is really like... It's like identifying your Olympic gold medal level event, right? So it's like we figure out: are you in the summer or the winter Olympics? Okay, we're in the summer Olympics. So are you a water event or are you a land event or are you whatever? Right? Like we're getting closer and closer to what's that gold medal level event because it takes a totally different person and a totally different combination of now nature and nurture to become Michael Phelps or to become Usain Bolt. Like they're both. Olympic gold medal level athletes, but in totally different events, right? And if we swap them, they wouldn't be nearly as successful. And we all appreciate that because they're athletes, but that's where we screw it up professionally is that we don't get hyper clear and focused on that which we're pursuing, right? Or we get hyper clear and focused before we know ourselves really well, right? And that's how you get lawyers who hate their jobs. And
0: that definitely should be part of the process early on, before you choose your university, you know, up up and up until school, probably not ready to decide yourself. And then you should you should be part of it. So at this point, when you do that, are you kind of when you say career, are you saying having another job, or it could mean being in your you know having your own business, having a job, or perhaps changing the industry you work in? Career is that what you mean? I've seen it all. So for me, the the three options that come. Everybody ultimately has three options: a, working for someone, so a yeah. job; b, being a freelancer, saying I just want to be by myself. That's how yeah. I'm happy. And c, starting something of your own. Is that is that
1: is that what you do? Yeah. So I've seen all three, and then iterations among all three. So like, or I want to make a level change, or I want to make a role within my industry change, and all the way through the spectrum of freelancing and consulting and contracting, I've seen that all the way to entrepreneurship. Like, and some people, it's finally the the first time that they've owned like wow the reason i'm really unhappy in my job is cuz i'm not running the show and right and there's right. so many people <sighs> this is the crazy part to me because it's so it happens so easily it's so insidious it's just it's just horrible there are so many people i've worked with who have come in and they know their core values they know themselves so well they know what they need to be happy they know what they're missing they know where they add value but they just haven't allowed that to be okay. Right? They haven't allowed it mentally to be okay to want recognition, to want to be in charge, to want things to move faster, to want more accuracy and precision. Like you name it, right? Those things are not ever going to go away. Like I recently worked with a with a girl who for the first time in her life she owned the fact that she needed eyeballs on her to be happy. Like she needed recognition. She wanted to be on stage. And she thrives there, right? She thrives giving advice and doing that sort of thing. But she had always been told from childhood that that's not not a good thing. You're not being humble enough, right? That's ego, like that's something bad. But really, it's just a core part of her personality that's not bad or good. It was just labeled at a really young age. And so she never owned it. And so she would put herself in the back seat wherever she went. She didn't do enough like collaborating and working together with other people. She was never the center of attention. And so she never felt fulfilled. And, you know, I think that we we just do kids a disservice, right? Telling them like what's bad or good or right or wrong to be from a really young age when those things don't necessarily need to be bad or good. They just are. Maybe it's right. And, And maybe they're bad or good in certain situations, but we need to be clear about that, right? It's like categorically not horrible to be the kind of person who wants the center of attention. The world needs keynote speakers and politicians and, you know, preferably better ones than we have. Currently, but you know what I mean, right? Like The world needs people yes. who want to advocate for other people because there are plenty of people in the world who don't want to be the center of attention, right? And nothing would ever get done if we didn't have somebody who was on the pedestal making shit happen. So, you know, that's where I get really fired up is that we all know deep down, like you know, like I guarantee I knew that entire time that who I was was not a good fit, but I just wasn't allowing that to be okay you know? And and I would say the biggest feedback I hear from people is not that they discovered something wildly crazy about themselves or that they have any like massive breakthroughs while we're working together. It's that they finally felt like they had permission to be who they were and to work and live the life and the way they wanted to live and work. And to me, that's just unleashing this huge amount of potential on the world that would otherwise get stifled under what the world thinks that we need to be, you know, this like artificial ceiling that we need to live under. And that's, that's our company, number one company purpose and core value is unleashing potential. So the first step you talked about was around,
0: you know, finding out where you are right now, um, and also the nature and nurture. So that's kind of finds your niche. Once you know that, that kind of becomes very clear. And then you have your niche, but then
1: what happens next? Yeah. So, so knowing, right. Discovering and defining, that's really only two thirds of the battle. Then we have to go do right. And the discovery process is, is, is in depth and it's personal. It's internal, the defining process of like, what's your niche. That's, that's something you definitely want to work with a coach on because it's kind of hard to see it for yourself. I have a business coach who always said, uh, trying to do introspection on yourself is like, is like a surgeon trying to do open heart surgery on themselves. Like it's, you know, <laughs> like maybe they could, but it's really messy and they have a horrible perspective. So you need help. Um, you need somebody objective to help you. But then the last part is like, how am I going to go out in the world and make this a reality, right? And to me, there are two things that work the best in our world right now. One falls under the heading that we call network and the other one falls under the heading that we call navigate. And in the network process, what we're doing is not that awkward, cheesy, here's my business card, here's what I want to be when I grow up, like networking. So, no, it's, it's <laughs> leveraging the people who already want to help you and enrolling them in your career journey and your process. Meaning once you're clear on your vision, like once you know your niche, which again is half the battle and it's not a small half, like we're jumping over you know, what, what takes people years potentially to figure out. We do it in a three-day workshop, which is awesome. Then we have to like actually share it with people and help them help us. Meaning if you're going to tell, uh, I don't know, an an old colleague who you love and you guys bonded while you work together, you're in the trenches together, what you actually want to do, what you're trying to get from them is buy-in. Yes, I see you. I hear you, but also telling them how they can help you get closer to it. Can you introduce me to somebody? Do you know a company that does that? Do you know anybody who's hiring? Like, Who would you talk to? What would you do as a next step? And as we do that, we're growing our network strategically, but we're doing it in such a warm and easy and comfortable way, right? It doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be people you don't know. It doesn't have to be pitching yourself. And you release that whole fear of being a burden on other people, But people is only half the battle. Like you also have to have the strategies to know that what you're pursuing is actually what you want. It's actually going to make you happy. I would say like every other call I have, every other discovery call that I do, somebody tells me that they're afraid that they're going to get it wrong. Like I'm afraid I'm going to leave this job that I hate. And the next thing I do, I'm going to hate even more, (laughs) you know, or, or I'm just going to wish I had never left at all. And to me, that's hysterical because like you choose, you know? We don't trust ourselves in making really solid choices and it's because largely we haven't done any of the work to know what we really want and need out of a job. Makes total sense. But the best way to avoid making a decision you're going to regret is to test drive that decision. Like go out in the world and see if you're actually going to like it. And this is super basic stuff. Like under Navigate, we teach people how to shadow. We teach people how to do informational interviews. We teach people things like freelancing right and volunteering and doing minimal work a minimum viable way right to test drive what your idea is to test drive your assumption as an as an entrepreneur and a business owner right we do that kind of stuff all the time it's beta testing it's it's mvps it's getting panels of people together and asking them would you buy this right before we go through the whole process of creating the thing that we think we want to sell and that we think people are going to buy you can do that with your career you can totally do that with your career with these teeny tiny baby steps. There's this great, this guy I met here in Dallas a while back who now lives in California told me this story. He was working for um, Frito-Lay at the time and, uh, and, and fine, happy, not miserable, uh, but, but could, uh, itching for something that he cared about more. And he, uh, he and his girlfriend and a group of people went to one of those escape rooms, like the thing where you know, have a bunch of puzzles to get yourself out in a certain a period of time and he loved it. And so afterwards he went up to the front desk and he just asked them like, Hey, do you guys have any, like, could I just come by and learn more about the business? Like I'll help you out part time, like maybe evenings or weekends. Like, I'm just really curious how you run this business and like what it takes. And, and so he just started out by like going there with his handful of spare hours that he'd have on a weekend or Friday or whatever, and just started working for them for free, volunteering, learning, picking up pieces here and there. And slowly but surely they were like, this guy's amazing. He has really good ideas. He works really hard. They gave him a full-time job. And within a year, he was the CEO of that business. It was a small business. I'll give you that. Like it only had a handful of locations, but he, he took over as the CEO. And I, I just, I remember, and he loved it. He, he really believes that, escape rooms are a way to bring teamwork back to workforces to like really get people communicating again. And that's his ethos. He runs the business, not because like escape rooms are huge and Japan figured it out first. And now here we all are catching up. It's because he like really has a, a heart for what they're doing. And he discovered that just by going there on Friday nights and working for free. Like that's totally available to any of us. You know what I mean? So, network and navigate are huge because it helps us really guard against our assumptions that we're making and guard against decisions that we're making out of fear and, and enroll people in our process. So, it's not just all on you or me to go find a job that I love, but our social circle and our community is actually helping us get there faster. And the seventh step of the whole process is like once you land, you got to nourish where you are. That's the seventh step. So, it's really circular. Once you're like nourishing yourself and, and you've landed professionally, and you're growing in personal and professional development. The way we nourish ourselves is starting back over every year at now and really going through that process again to figure out, am I honoring my values? You know, am I living true to my commitments? Am I being myself every day? Am I living the life that I really want that's in line with what the people I care about really want? And so it's, to me, it's this evolutionary process because you and I are are changing constantly. You know, our visions are even even in large ways, like our personalities will will grow and evolve. And so to honor that, I think you really have to stay in tune. Plus you can never account for the fact that life is crazy and your circumstances may change. And so, so what, what I really have a passion for is that the nth degree is just a great way to make really sound decisions, like no matter what's happening in your life, because you're honoring each part of your life as you go through the process and you're honoring the fact that life is nothing if not constantly changing.
0: And, and what, what's your vision with this? Where, where do you want to take this?
1: I would say that uh, my like big, hairy, audacious goal is that I think we have something really special. This, this process works for people. It honors people who, are, who believe that there's purpose potentially in their work. People who want to feel like what they're doing is meaningful and impactful for themselves and makes a difference. I truly believe like you mentioned that we need this even before we go to college let alone graduate from college to know like what we want to study where do we want to invest our money and our time and you talk to any parent like if you just look at the numbers the cost of changing majors on average costs an extra semester of school per person which means people and the and the average cost of a semester of school in the United States now is $15,000. Roughly, right. You can you can fact check yeah. me, that's fine. But that means that you're you potentially wasting six months to a year and fifteen thousand ish dollars on something you didn't ever want or need in the first place. And how many people graduate like never use their one of my one of my coworkers, her husband has a kinesiology major and he's a trained dispatcher make six figures. You know, like it just, it blows my mind that he spent probably that much money on his education. He never uses any of it. But you know, I I also think that part of the nth degree process is honoring, okay, what did I learn from that that I like or don't like? And, And so we work that in, but you know, my big goal would be like, this could become our generation's what color is your parachute or our generation's like seven habits of highly effective people. Like I want this to be in some ways, like curriculum, you know, like let's, let's force people sooner to know themselves better, to make education better. Because I mean, if you, have you ever heard of uh, Sir Ken Robinson? He has like still one of the best Ted talks of all time. And he talks about how schools kill creativity, like traditional schooling. Yeah. I oh, think so, so yeah. He's so funny. He's so witty. And but he, it's true. It's our education. He says in part of it, like if, if aliens landed on the planet and you ask them to investigate schooling, traditional schooling, and you ask them what it was for, the only logical conclusion is that it produces professors and teachers. Like that's it. We don't, we're not preparing kids for a life or to know themselves or to make good decisions, you know, and, and we're seeing that come around now where universities are, you know, hiring speakers to talk to the kids about how to make good decisions like how to how to not go thousands of dollars into debt how to you know have good relationships and i, I just think it's cuz we underserve people in younger ages by giving them really traditional you know technical schooling that doesn't have like a ton of real world application it's like no wonder your kids don't want to learn trigonometry like you you're not telling them how they're going to use it it's ridiculous so anyway the the sh- short answer would be that Um, I'm writing my first book right now and it's going to launch in the fall of 2020. And I would just love for that thing to take off. I would love to then write iteration after iteration of it so that it's focused almost like chicken soup for the soul, you know, like how to be unstoppable and, and how to discover your ideal career for teens, for college, for moms coming back to the workforce, for veterans, for... People who are retiring for bonus careers, you know, how do I take what I know about myself and what what I've learned over time and what I know I value, and actually get it all out of my head and make the best decision possible, regardless of how I feel, right? Like regardless of the emotions of the situation, regardless of how shiny that thing over there is. So that that's really, you know, it's not a super tight goal. We did just create our big hairy business goal for the next ten years that we want to impact five thousand people in our events by. 2030, and, and we're on our way. We actually have an event two days from now where we're going to be for three days helping people discover their ideal career. And we, we fortunately have a hundred percent success rate in that event so far. So there's a lot more to come. A lot more to come. I mean,
0: the older I'm getting, the, the you know, that saying stays, you know, it's I'm coming to the realization that that saying, you know, thyself. That's so true. That's, you know, knowing yourself, it's it's the number yeah. one. Without knowing that every decision you make, you're going to question it.
1: Oh, you're so right. You're, And that's why we doubt ourselves, you know, because we have good reason to. And, and, and it's scary. It's really scary to honor the truth of a situation. Like the job that I got fired from, I ignored all the signs, you know, like my gut was like, this is not right, but I did it anyway. My you know, my mom was telling me, you have to do it. And and I was going, I don't know. And I did it anyway, you know? And then day one, I was like, oh, I don't like this at all, but I ignored it, right? Like we don't want to be wrong. And so we don't investigate prior to making decisions because oftentimes our investigation would prove that we're about to make a bad decision, right? It's, it's why people do stupid things that later, you know, looking back an objective person is like, why did you do that? You know, why did you take a job that you were going to hate? Well, I did it because I needed the money. Well, that's not a good enough answer for... Again, we're always going back to sustainable success. All of the arguments that I hear from people about why they don't want to do this are not honoring Mm -hmm. the fact that you can only sustain your being doing something for so long until something gives. But what that something is, is, is different for each of us. Maybe your marriage... Maybe it's your relationship with your children. Maybe it is that you get fired. Maybe it's that you lose all of your professional credibility because you start sucking at what you do. You know, there's something that's going to, or you lose your mind, right? Like you, or you gain a hundred pounds, like something's going to happen in the long term that is going to prove to you that what you're doing is unsustainable. And, and that's what I want to avoid for people, you know? Awesome. So now
0: we're coming towards the end of the show. How can people find you, connect with you, ask you questions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can reach out to me. I'm on social media at the T H E Tracy Tim. Uh, but what we've put together too is a website for all of your listeners uh, that they can go directly to. You can book a call with me, call with one of my teammates, watch a webinar we put together, download a couple freebies. Uh, and that is at TracyTim.com, so dot com I M M.com/slash Only The Brave. So TracyTim.com/slash Only The Brave, and uh, you can find a bunch of ways to engage and interact with us there. But you can always feel free to just reach out directly to me, shoot me an email, or shoot me I I don't know a DM, and we'll chat. Uh, and and our growing team is is really excited to serve however we can. Awesome.
0: Any final words before we close the show?
1: I, I think that the the title of, the, of your show is really apt um, because bravery, I've found, is the number one component here that takes certain people from stuck to unstoppable. You can go through all the steps. You and I can give everybody you know, the keys to the castle, but you have to have courage and bravery to choose something different for yourself. And it does take courage because your fear is not going anywhere the expectations of other people are not going anywhere. Your inability to stop focusing on comparison, what other people are doing is not going to go anywhere. The only way to overcome those things is to be brave and to have courage and to choose for yourself. So I'm excited for what you're putting out there in the world. And I really appreciate uh, being able to share in that with you. So thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of Only the Brave Have Fun. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. If, and if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazzbearaurora.com, that's www.jazzbearaurora.com, and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one-hour masterclass. And also, um, go and take the Escape the 95 survey, uh, which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.